0: Mm. so uh the uh great benefits of citta blessings of citta is uh wisdom <coughs> uh, happiness is a lovely quality which allows the citta to unfold and be free from anxiety and criticism and doubt and anger and so forth the true inner happiness mm. And as the citta unfolds, its wisdom capacities become more available, more revealed. So you can imagine a citta, something that gets contracted and distracted and tangled up. So even when it's excited, it's not really, hasn't got the deep happiness, comfortable happiness of... uh, Of this process that we this process we're going through and first of all we take our foundation and we maintain our faith Uh, Chitta is able to do that you know we have a certain faith a certain determination a certain faith means confidence that you know i can be here and this is going to be for welfare even though at times it's going to be difficult and painful or confusing and pointless. (laughs) So we start to, you know, not through that kind of faith and determination, this isn't like, you know, jaw-gritting stuff, it's just the steady, look, don't believe in that mood. You know, it's it arose, you weren't always there, you weren't permanently in this mood. And because it's arising, it's going to pass. You know, if, if you were happy, you wouldn't be worrying about being in this state, would you? But when you feel unhappy, you worry about it. But happiness and unhappiness, they kind of have a rise and they pass. We're not always happy, we're not always unhappy. Uh, the deeper happiness of serenity, which comes from, uh, a faith and serenity. And, you know, so there are happiness as many fea- fort- features and faces. But, uh, the recommended one is the more deeper one that becomes, uh, enhanced by practice and is associated with clarity realization with a skillful process that we're in so we start with faith confidence wisdom is the capacity to just keep assessing checking in so wisdom the chitta just spreads over spreads over the spreads over the experience over the moods over the mind states over the how is this so wisdom is not uh, just an intellectual knowledge so that's one aspect of wisdom it's also this assesses how is this hmm. he just wants to get a sense of how that is and then having assessed how it is from wisdom one can there can be the arising of well what's needed is this what helpful is this or you don't know so you have to wait and test a few things. What's in line with you know firming up, making less, clearing away Discarding what's not necessary. Firming up what is helpful. This is kind of, say, the ongoing question that we call meditation as a process. This is what leads to collectedness, samadhi. It's what's not necessary. Why is it not necessary? Because it tangles. Because it agitates. Because it leads away. It doesn't um, settle. What is helpful? That which enables the citta to settle to unfold. as to sit down, and it will unfold. What? What does that? Um, patience does that. Uh, skillful relationship does that. So we know we're knowing not forcing. We're not hanging back. We're not pushing forward. We're not dithering. Yeah. Or if we are, we're trying to. Wait a minute, let's just stop doing that. So wisdom supervises. The practice and the results of supervising wisely is that wisdom becomes greater. So it increases and happiness becomes deeper. So uh, so the, the, the wise and the completely unfolded jitter is resplendent. It's said, one abides with a great, Chitta, a, a vast chitta, or even with the target of measureless is his chitta. You just can't find. You just can't get a, any angle around it. It's just completed. It's completely opened. Mm. What does that mean, mm. sir? So, Notice how when we notice what the contracted chitta is like it's tight, it's it's continually fragmenting into I should be why oh what's happening now. What do they say about that? It's contracted and it's broken up into fragments that often contend and compare. One thought quarrels with an emotion, emotion objects to a thought. Mm. One emotion wants to hang on. One one determination wants to get rid of it. There's this kind of clashing of mental factors, mental experiences. This is the contracted. It's one one. It's like you fold up a sheet into a clump, and you get one one clump of the sheet is quarrelling with the other clump. <laughs> get out of here! <laughs> yeah, when you've got this tangled up ball, it looks like all these separate forms, doesn't it? With creases in between them, and then you want to try and get rid of those creases. Yeah, and so one bit of cloth quarrels with the other bit of the cloth. Now, just and how do we try and get it so it feels clear, unified? Well, let's try and press it a bit more firmly so it will come into one shape, or What about if we just started to spread it out, spread it out, spread it out, all the lumps, all the creases disappear? That's one, one thing. Hmm. This is an image similar to the Buddha. Buddha used an image like this, calling it like stretching out the hide of a bull, which first is all, is all twisted and tangled, so it's in a contradictory State, and then you just stretch it out, smooth it out till it's refined and smooth. So this is a process of emptying out all the inner boundaries, contradictions, dissonances. And then the chitta is is made vast through that. So this is a process, and it's leading, you know, towards a unified experience call it samadhi collectedness, concentration but the processes take us to that are not just one thing there's a variety of factors coming together wisdom supervises all of it when is the time for relaxing when is the time for exerting when is the time for gladdening the mind? When is the time to restrain the mind? Don't go there, come back here. Put that down. When is the time to soothe the mind? You really don't need that. Yeah. And like calming a frantic dog, it doesn't just calm down at one word. You've got to stroke it time and time again, You know, talk to it a bit, Give it something nice to eat, and it begins to settle down. This is the way you, you train jit the the wild chitta. <coughs> and Buddha likened it to, um, yeah, you know, two elephants. You have the wild forest elephant and the tamed elephant. And in order to tame the wild elephant, the tamed elephant is taken out into the jungle, and it goes up against the wild elephant and it strokes it with its trunk, soothes it, and then they can go back together so the wisdom the faith, the confidence the skillful aspects of mind don't reject the rest of it but actually oh, you know, recognize we're of the same kind, this too is a mind state, this too is an aspect of mind this is the dissonant mind, this is the jealous mind, this is the complaining mind you know, this is the frightened mind and instead of having that where one bit fights against the other, the skillful mind receives the unskillful mind and begins to soothe it, calm it, straighten it. Yeah. We recognize all unskillful states still arise from the chitta, and they're part of our family. You know, So we have to take them in and work with them what's needed. That's up to you, to wisdom. When is it time to firm the mind, to encourage it, to relax it, to calm it, to love it, to gladden it, to rest it, to get it working? Mm-hmm. One of these descriptions of the, uh, you know, process or the results of practice is the mind the body and mind This it applies to both the body and the mind they're malleable they're pliable they're light you know they're, they're not bowed down they're not heavy um this is both body and mind they're fit for work they're strong so it's just like just like you do with your body You train the mind in that way. So it becomes fit. And then you can work it. Buddha sometimes likened this to taking the, uh, uh, like a a lump of rock with gold in it. And just, first of all, you melt it down. Then you blow on it and you skim and you you skim off the dross. You skim off the dross. You skim off the dross. And you blow on it. And you finally get something very pure and then you can make whatever you like with that beads ornaments what whatever so this process put aside what isn't necessary but it one always has to recognize every lump of rock has got gold in it when it comes down to the human being <laughs> So, what helps the melt? We never give up on ourselves. We hold the whole of it with faith, with kindness, with goodwill, right intent. Mm. So this is a kind of this this is the working. and one doesn't want to make it sound too too frantic because this can be a slow working and the wisdom will tell you now's the time. Now it's right. Now I am settled. Yeah. Now I'm settled to this extent. Don't wait until you get everything settled because it isn't going to happen. but there's a, there's a settled place somewhere. <laughs> I'm settled in this degree. I have enough space in this respect. There's a space within my breathing where I feel settled. Yeah. There. So you've got to find the flecks of gold. Yeah. Within the, within the rock. And you attend to that and you begin to work it out and it will, and the jitter will unfold in that. So I've mentioned this process of just touching into where one does feel any of these skillful factors such as confidence uh, happiness um, loving kindness uh, ease you know and and then when, whenever that happens or compassion anything skillful as you sense that happening in your in your jitta in what may be experienced as your heart maybe experienced as your mind how's the breathing then You know, yeah you just know, this because the the quality of the breathing will if you stay with the minds the skillful mind state and breathe feel your breathing there I mean don't make a particular effort to breathe yeah. but just stay in touch with the breathing in the skillful mind state the quality the energy of the breathing Again, this is what you have to do, it just happens. We'll carry that quality into you. So you, it will spread. And as it spreads, it helps the citta to unfold. So there's this relationship between body and mind. As the body can unfold, the citta can unfold. The breathing is the vehicle for doing that. So a little bit of open chitta of heart that's not seized up, mind is there, we, we follow that, use that to check in in our breathing, so the two come together, breathe it, be with that, and that quality will then spread and unfold. This is the unfolding of the, the citta through, through the body. And then of course that means the, the breathing itself, Again, receives the effects, becomes brighter, stronger. This relationship is everything. <clears throat> Sometimes we may lead with the body. Whatever I'm thinking about doesn't really matter. Just get sit down on the ground or walk up and down. Just stomp up and down until some of that rage is dissolved. You know, just use your body. Sometimes you use your, you lead with the mind. well, bring up that memory of the person who was so kind and gracious to you yeah, or the person you love. Bring that up and take that into your body. So it's the working out relationship you can work from either end of it. And this is Samadhi. It means bringing disparate pieces together. And we so often believe that the mind is separate from the body, uh, or work from that basis. Or the mind's going to get on top of it all. And make it work. No, that's not relationship. You can meet, first of all. Meet. Where's the strength? Where's the skills? Walking meditation is a very, um, uh, dominant practice in forest monasteries. I think partly the heat means it's, uh, you can get easy sleepy and lose energy. So walking meditation energizes. It's one of its features. Just just by moving, being with the whole movement of the body, it gives energy, and you can stay within that for an hour, two hours. Sometimes people do, you know, three or four hours, or even just non-stop walking, and um, just feeling the rhythm and the movement of the body. And the jitta begins to come out of its restlessness and its distractedness. You don't have to squeeze it into shape, it picks it up slowly. And there's a certain kind of uh, steadfastness that is there when one commits to an hour or so walking or an hour or so sitting. You know, you think But you do that from the place of "I'm up for this." Lead with confidence. Lead with faith. Yeah. So it's leading from your strength rather than being pushed into. And we notice, um, you know, wisdom then leads, cultivates, or um, supports everything. And uh, in this uh, wisdom that's collecting everything and discarding what's unnecessary naturally leads to samadhi or collectedness, unification. You know, one one uh, thing we, we might note in the Buddha's presentations, both in the Satipatthana Sutta and the... Um, on a panasati Sutta, there isn't a description of concentrating, and there isn't a holding the mind onto onto a point. Hmm. There is an expression "one-pointedness," but you don't see that that being seen as a it's presented as a result. rather than than an approach. So we notice in the Anapanasati, mindfully one breathes in, mindfully one breathes out, one discerns Pajanati, one is breathing long, one discerns, one is breathing out. There's an assessment occurring. One discerns, it's short, one discerns, it's long. One trains oneself. So we have actually then, we're one-pointed to the degree that we have one intention to be with that. So it's a one-pointedness as an intention leads to one-pointedness as a result. But that's not, that's a one-pointedness of intention rather than one-pointedness of attention. So it's not like you're focusing on a particular spot. Although, you know, the, that may be a skillful means to find a place where you're feeling the best quality of your breathing and stay there. But notice it says then Sapakaya Pati Sangwidi Pati means thorough, collect fully sung widi, feeling, experiencing the entire body. Where's the one pointedness? <coughs> So that's because you're one pointed on one aim, which is to thoroughly feel your entire body. That's one pointed. (laughs) You see see the difference? So you may find it helpful to locate where you feel the breathing is strongest, say in your belly or your chest or your head or your throat or your nose. Okay, you pick up the sign there. You wisely at that place find out where the mind is comfortable about sitting or tends to naturally sit there, your attention sits there and you begin to receive something quite dynamic and flowing and you don't want to crush that by gripping too tight, you want to have the the point is an open point through things which through, through which things pass and sometimes the image is used of uh Someone turning wood on a lathe, and he's got his eye on the, on this particular place where he's got his chisel. But you notice if he, he followed the wood, he'd be going round and round. So he's actually just looking at a, a, an area through which the wood turns, right? Otherwise, he's got to, he's got to switch the lathe off and hold it steady if he wants to really do that. But in, no, it's a, keeping your mind focused with a certain openness to allow a dynamic process to, to flow through. Wisdom supervises that. What's a helpful place, what's a helpful region, what's a helpful um, sense of where, how, what we wanna, where we want to focus? doesn't really matter. Um, <clears throat> I often encourage people to just <laughs> actually get to know what breathing is by feeling the complete flow and movement of it through the body because uh, uh, we don't necessarily really get the fullness of what breathing is as an experience and the happiness of it, the ease of it, the involuntary quality of it. We can overdo and tighten up. You know, getting the fullness, the full length, as the, as your mind settles a bit, becomes calmer, breathing becomes shorter, the short breath, or it becomes calmer, less, less long and sweeping, calms down. How are you feeling that? Assessing that. Sensing the entire body. Does it mean your mind is skipping around in your fingers and your toes? Or is it that as your mind settles down, it's rather like being in, in the um, center of a, of a communications network where you've got these nerve endings or wires, you know, and you're picking up all the signals. If you don't run around to this place and that place. You stay where you are and you feel what you can of the entire effect of the entire body. This is unifying. And this is one pointed in that respect. But uh, it's an open, the mind is is settled, settling down. And then calming the kaya-sankara, pasambayam, which is something like soothing, gentling, It's not numbing or blocking or suppressing. It's like a soothing. Just like you're stroking something to soothe it. And we're looking at an organic system here. So it's not like belting something still (laughs) into shape. But soothing a living system into rest state. Soothing the entire experience of body. The body formation... Kaya Sankara, it refers to the dynamic that gets you breathing, the energy behind the breathing, which can be jerky, snap, jerk, gasp. It can be shuddering. It could be flaccid, kind of just flapping around in your chest. And you want to smooth it out, smooth out, so that there's a regular easeful breathing, the energy is easeful, particularly notice, you know, on the out breath, really feeling the full, complete release of the out breath, and not being in a hurry to pull one in, feel at the end of the in breath, the time of the moment when the things seem to just hover. And then the out-breath starts, so fully sensing, and that, soothing, calming, steadying. <clears throat> and wisdom is telling you, you know, you, you're witnessing that uh, phrase here, Pajanati, one nose, um, so this is associated with the term sampajana. Similar word. I use the Pali because it just gets, uh, it's quite distinct as to what particular kind of wisdom is being used. This is a directed sensing, feeling wisdom. Mm-hmm. Pajanati and Sampajana, um, we look just touching into back into the Satipatthana. One witnesses, one knows, one is knowing about the arising of bodily states, and the experience of body. One senses, you know, the pressure in the body, or the elements of the body. One senses it arising, one senses it changing. One senses it passing. One senses certain qualities in the body dissolving. One senses certain body aspects of the experience of the body shifting. This could be pressures, energies, even an overall sense of what the body is. Sometimes it can feel very open and spacious. Sometimes it feels like rigid and rusty. All this is body within the bodies. And with, through all that, the thread, the touching into the breathing behind and through all that. Mm. And this is uh, the first realization which which is touched into in the fourth tetrad of the Anapanasati Sutta one abides contemplating change, changeability, the shifting evanescent and ephemeral nature of whatever is manifesting. That's the one-pointedness. So instead of trying to hold a particular sensation, you're open to allow sensations to change. Energies to change. Experience of body to shift. We're looking at body, we're not talking about the visual one but the direct here within you experience of body it doesn't necessarily change like day night or pain pleasure but every feeling within that is vibrating it's shifting pulsing it may still be painful but the pain comes in waves or pulses you feel it running down your leg and up again, or moving around. You by contemplating change, changeability. There's the one-pointedness. It's staying at that place of witnessing change. And this kind of one-pointedness gives rise to dispassion, Viraga because you're not taking a stand, you're not reacting and (coughs) this is what leads the mind to unfold, to release the relationship of antagonism to feeling changes relationship of infatuation with feeling can change so the relationship shifts from want don't want to it arises it passes I learn a bit and one's faith increases one's confidence increases as one's confidence increases one's inner happiness increases it doesn't get more kind of bubbly, it just gets smoother and deeper more into the tissues happiness of well-being not, not an excitement but a soothed contented because of this Something becomes, the mind, the chitta becomes subtler, more able to di- distinguish spaces, uh, like uh, the space element. Mm. The moments at the end of experiences, when a sensation fades out, when the breath pauses... One is able to discern spaciousness, space within the body element. Instead of it being just tight and compacted, we can also sense a kind of a experience of spaciousness. The body can feel lighter, less compacted, a little more spacious. Spaciousness particularly in the mind. The mind is less frantic, less welded. To experience less grip by it. How is that? The same thing is happening. I'm not getting the same immediate hit, of reaction to it. Dispassion leads to unfolding into spaciousness. Trust the trust the process. spaciousness as we get a little more spacious we're able to discern perhaps subtle no, or the uh, experiences we thought were actually fixed you know my opinions my standards my attitudes what do I need to do who I am what's wrong with me what's
1: that
0: more stress just tension isn't it mental mental, structures, what would it be to not have an opinion? Just be open. Oh, you know, things that seem so structurally important for ourself, for our psychology, for our who we are, integrity, seem so important. Actually, it's just a mental structure. What's needed? Is that, you know, we find there's something wiser and more open about noticing an opinion comes, goes. A good opinion. Not to say it's a wrong one. Not to say it's not useful in its time. But does it have to be all the time? you have to take a stand on it? Convince others of it? What about this? To, and this is the very senses of identity can also be experienced as kind of like a, a structure that's useful in its time and place, but not something you have to have all the time. You know, it's like, boots are great, but you don't want to walk on, have boots on your feet all day long and all night as well. It's nice to be able to take them off. But that's not because they're wrong or bad. It's just, we don't need this right now. What's not necessary? And we say not necessary doesn't mean never again for the rest of my life, but this, this, time, I don't need to think of the future, or who I am, or where I am, or what I am, or why I am, or how I am, or why I'm not, or what I could be. This is that very aim itself to find myself. is stressful. I don't need to find myself because I am. So we start to you know, And of course, this is just a very stereotyped presentation. But the one, there's some things that seem so intimate or so obsessive or so either difficult or, you know, important about me. What makes me so special and different? My character. Uh, Let's take a break. Mind really, as it opens, is measureless. There's no definition, no per, no no identity, no, no naming itself. As the Buddha remarked, the world is tangled by names, lost in the tangle of names. You know, this contracting that causes definitions to occur. And how we sort of Look for a security in that, in knowing ourselves, in having certain things we can place and find and register about me. Yeah, well, when that's necessary, yeah, then make it a good one. But don't make it so obsessive that you'll have any old rubbish as your identity. Just for the sake of an identity. <laughs> what gives us the opportunity for that? Just to be able to release the compulsion to be better, worse, the same, you yeah, know, knowing, good, it's just to release that. And without throwing it away, you release it because the quality, of openness and space is actually much more delightful, supportive, beautiful, wise, and happy. That's the kind of movement that allows us what's called ceasing certain really defective functions, the ones that nag you and beat you up all the time. You know, it just... Enough. This this can, don't need to keep regenerating that. The understanding of a Nietzsche, which is very, quite easy to summarize in a word or two, as an experience. It also reminds us that uh, it's not about really getting rid of anything, it's just about everything is continually being regenerated. Yeah if we, we really reflect and consider, even just as an idea, you know, first of all, the thing, if the nature of phenomena is changeable, is arising and passing, that means what may seem to be a fixed state or a fixed problem or a fixed s- standard or something, is actually something that's just regenerating. You know, just like... um you switch the fan blades on, and suddenly you seem to have a very solid circle. You switch it off, suddenly, there's where did it go? Did you smash the circle? Did you throw it away? No, it's just that by, by switching off the motor, the circle disappeared. This is the nature of formations, that which is formed. It seems to be permanent because it's running down the same track. And the track seems to be permanent because it's held by certain assumptions <laughs> you know, views. I am, I need to be, I should be, I need to fill the space with being something, so that I am feeling I'm worthwhile doing a useful job, making something of my life, getting somewhere you know. I need to fill because of that assumption I am, I need to fill up with something convincing. So underneath it is the view, not really a substance at all, but just a, a view, a wrong view. And that takes deep penetration to relinquish because, and it's only relinquished when we have the, the kind of the deep happiness that replaces it. I don't need to know the future or who I am. When you, As long as you do, as long as, you know, so just to be wise, what long as you do, then focus on regenerating skillful factors, such as virtue, loving kindness, simplicity. So you focus on those. if you're going to regenerate an identity, let's make it something that's made up of good material. But also, so that process doesn't really Negate a self, it just relativizes it. Ceasing. Let's let, let some of the, uh, the compulsive, addictive stuff, you know, don't regenerate that. Let things rest. And that, what's called patinitsuga is the giving away of the very view. You know, of the of limited, which is called self. The mind really is measureless. Awareness is measureless. Everywhere you go there's awareness. You can't find an edge to it. So all when we look at, refer again to satipatthana, awareness of the mind states, not just the body states, the feeling states, the mind states, and the Buddha just presents a kind of a, uh, I, I imagine a synoptic presentation of a whole range of them from things we would re- register quite, re- you know, recognize, oh this is the mind affected by, or limited by, or measured by, defined by, covenant characteristic of aversion. Therefore it's limited by that. It sees things in terms of aversion. For its three second duration, or however long it is, it's, it's experiencing things that are registered and limited and defined by aversion. And then another state. Mind states have a characteristic, a definition, a measurement. They, they see things within a certain range, an emotional range. And it talks about, you know, radiant mind sees things this way. You know, the limitless, really open. Knowing this, the contracted mind is the contracted mind. So just acknowledging these, this whole panoply of mind states. And of course, it doesn't mean you have all of those, but you probably got. You're not a permanent undying hatred <laughs> that comes and goes. Uh, so just acknowledging the transience of mind states and more deeply resting in that understanding. There's your one pointness Rest in one this on wisdom. Don't give it up. Be tenacious. This means you you refuse to reject or adopt mind states. Now, sometimes we want you know, it's red can be red so see mind states pass. Maybe that's okay. But I don't want mind states to arise, like this kind of wobbly, confused mind state. I don't want to have that arise. But it can't pass until it's finished, till it's arisen. So once something started arising, you can't say, "Oop, change my mind, go back." (laughs) No, you've got to go through it (laughs) till it comes to to the, you know, you know. know, There's only one one way. You can't push it back. So once that feeling of frustration has arisen, you can't say, "Oh, I don't really feel like that." No, you do. Whether it's justified or not, it fits your self-image or not. Here it is. And oh, that fit in the body. Stay steady. Open to that. Contemplate and, and contemplate the movement of, say, frustration or disappointment, and don't keep feeding it with a thought. Just feel the raw quality of the emotional movement. Now, if you keep Adding another topic to it, then you're, you're like cooking up some more or keeping it going. As you notice with these difficult patterns, how, you know, just as you're getting to the end of your upset, you think, but another thing. And this is that like where the, oh, after all I've done. But I already said that anyway. And then, and he never said the, you know, so you keep throwing a little bit more. Wood into the fire when it, as the flames go down. That's a habit to to get hold of. Hmm. You know, they're, they're then really feeling the fullness of the frustration or the disappointment, or the, you know, feel it the fullness of that. Open to the fullness of that. If you open to the fullness of it and hold it in your body. It will pass through, and you, you'll find that what won't occur is you keep dumping, going back and feeding it up again. It has to come through. It has to come through and be felt, and then it, then it passes. And the passing is a kind of... Generally what occurs is that turns into something compassionate. Yeah. When we've allowed ourselves to feel the the you know the fullness of an emotion as it rushes through, without it kind of floods and you hold it in your body, carefully, and then it comes through. You know, adding thinking to it, more topics or criticizing it will not allow that process to fulfil, so it just come back again. And that's what we notice in this cycling of experience, how the worry comes back, or the fear comes back, because we haven't really been able, perhaps, to have enough space, enough embodiment to handle it. Some of these can be very, very powerful, blow us away. And and there's no point in just, you know, getting blown away by it, overwhelmed by it. So when you get to that sense of, really feeling overwhelmed then indeed you have to carefully pause turn your attention feel your feet walk up and down you know until there's the capacity to allow a feeling to uh, an emotion to move through many of them are not that that intense some maybe and those the wisdoms are you is it uh, is it the time are you have you the capacity yeah you know, to, 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 to allow this to pass through and the growing development of that capacity is why and how med- we meditate and how it takes a long time well who's counting? you know but I think after coming about 40 years of meditation, I, I think I'm just getting to be able to, to experience my emotions more completely without, you know, dumping them, blaming them, dumping them on somebody else. It's only 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> Quick. or feeling ashamed of them you know would be a finger snap 40 years <clears throat> depends what you're carrying you know you just don't know and so there's no point having a clock really around this one you just know when it's finished and it, and the triggers may occur and the fire doesn't get going or it just you see or you see that kind of warming up thing what was that? Yeah, that's really pretty annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, hmm. and it's something you, I could go there. I don't think I'll bother. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know? So that, that's, you know, the one point in this is then really the faith in oneself. You yeah, yeah. It's, it's on track. And so if we just keep quarreling with ourselves, we're going to not allow the process to come through. And wisdom will help to, to, to manage that. So is it wise to sit, to stand, to walk, to recline? Where does that, where are your faculties ripening? Where does the confidence ripen? Where does the joyfulness ripen? Where does the clarity ripen? Can you firm it up? Can you really get that and determine this is, yeah. you know, and then it may, within next year it may have changed a bit. So you always have the wisdom to know where, you know, how you do it. <clears throat> that's one-pointedness one-pointedness on freedom on liberation on meeting yourself and in the range of skills that you can employ to, to fulfill this process purification of beings not the eradication of them as we see in uh, Satipatthana there's this one knows this mind state the, un- the collected mind the scattered mind I said, what will you do about it? No. doesn't seem to be doing anything about it apart from knowing it so it's, it's, it's not just what the sutta says it's what it doesn't say that's so kind of awesome in a way says knows the mind affected by ill will, worries about the mind affected by ill will, feels guilty about the mind affected by will. <laughs> Wonders what you should do about feeling guilty about the mind affected by Ill will. No, he does this, he knows the mind affected by ill will <laughs> knows the mind affected will, blames other people for the mind affected by ill will. <laughs> He was guilty about blaming other people out the mind effect, but <laughs> <laughs> so the more we can, you know, terminate some of those those knock-on effects, the papuncha effect, the proliferations, then the more the clearer and the cleaner the process is going to be. But unfortunately, you know, one does proliferate. So to acknowledge, okay, when when's the bit what's the bit you can chip off the proliferations? <laughs> and so what helps that is that returning to compassion, goodwill again and again. The melting. The melting of the past. Melting of the past. So that's there's the place where once again we enter again from the faith confidence, faith leads to confidence and learning from learning in the whole process of it all so again just touching to that the, the enlightenment factors, mindfulness, investigation one inquires, one discerns there's a wisdom factor there so wisdom carries many different faces and many different hands one holds attentively, one discerns. What is this? Who is this? Did this, where did this come from? Was this arising? Is it, you know, what's my, what's the results of that? And this, this, this stimulates energy. So energy comes because of something purposeful to do, and you know there is something purposeful to do. It's not like, a, you know, did, Uh, a command to apply more effort, it's as you begin to see the relevance, then your energy is kindled. The fire is lit, the atapi, something lights your fire, and you get into that. So this is the dynamic of it.